Hey, it is that time. It's uh, another week of Unlocked with Fox's Brock Hewitt. I'm Lance Taylor from the next round. It is on Disrupt the Media. Like, subscribe. It's brought to you by MyBookie, where you put in that code next round, and they're going to give you a nice little, little pat on the back as you roll into the weekend, MyBookie.ag. So I was in uh, Jordan Hare this past weekend. Great atmosphere, by the way. Have you ever been to a game there? Oh, if I've been to. Who are you talking to? Mr. Who do you think you're talking football? to here, pal? Okay, Jeez. so w- when was the last time you were down there? What was the game? Was it a big atmosphere? I have had some fun times in there. That is a great scene. A&M, I had a few different times. at had a Jimbo game maybe late. Maybe it's last year there. So since I moved to Fox, obviously, I've not gotten down to some of those SEC just locales that I love. So that's probably 18, 17 or 18 was down there. How big of it well, – I was going to say how big of a pain in the ass was it going from Seattle to Auburn, but I guess you just go direct Seattle to it to Atlanta, and then you use an hour drive, right? Yeah. It's easier than Stark Vegas, which yeah. I could have – back in the day, now that I live in the Rocky Mountains, I don't have to deal with this, and I have direct flights just about everywhere. But back in the day, I did chart one time. I could get from Seattle to Tokyo faster than to Starkville. That's a fact. I think I remember you telling us that yes. back in the old days. That, in that's the old days, man. Yeah, in the old, old days. So yeah, they, they had a chance. I was watching it. That game was on at the same time as our absolutely Michigan takedown of Nebraska. So in our huge suite there, one of the best, um, one of the best booths in college football is University of Nebraska. It has a Keith Jackson Memorial bathroom just for the uh, announcers, which is awesome. And uh, in the corner, it had a big screen with that game going on while ours turned into a utter blowout. And not for Brock Bowers and his uh, just Bolitnikoff gluey hands that just make every catch known to human beings. That one may have been different. So that was a that was a heck of a game for you to see for sure. Yeah. Before I push forward on that game, I want to yeah. go back to the uh, the press box. So you've been all over college football, more so in the media role if you weren't playing. Uh, best spread when it comes to the food in a press box for you. Ole Miss TCU. Yeah, Ole Miss hooks you up. They cater, again, to your own booth, which is unbelievable. It's Southern hospitality at its absolute finest. TCU, the way it's set up there is the – you're not with the press guys. You're at the like the, the super fancy suite level. So literally, like outside of the box, you walk out, and it is the best Texas barbecue spreads. Like – I mean, 100 yards long. There's like five different – Texas, right? So there's like five different food stations. You know, there's bars. There's everything you can imagine under the sun. So I'm going to say Ole Miss TCU. Pretty were, tough to beat. Were you in Indianapolis that cold ass night when Kirby won his first national championship against Bama and they brought St. Elmo's, that that uh, the, the shrimp appetizer in for everybody I, just to uh, destroy? I was not, but that stuff's hot, right? That that will blow your nose hairs out of your nose. That horseradish. And, and nostrils. Yes, that, that wasabi in the horseradish is too legit to quit. So, yeah, good. I mean, last week it was passing time. We, we're just covering it all, Lance. I mean, I guess that's what we do is we get comfortable. With it's what another. we do here on Unlocked. Brought to you by Lance'sLock.com. Again, another winning week for us. Heck yes. Yeah, man. Major League Baseball playoffs are here. One and one yesterday. I had the over in the Rays Rangers. Rays offense didn't come to play. 18,000 people show up in that rat dome that I've been to. Gross. You ever been to a game at, uh, at uh, the Rays Dome? It's gross. It's gross. Yeah. And yet they're going to build on the same spot? Come on. Come on. What How we, can what? your beloved Seattle not have a, a basketball team, an NBA team, and Tampa's got a Major League Baseball oh, team? Oh, it's coming. NBA's coming. Just give it yeah, a couple years. Yeah, yeah, it's coming. It's coming. Um, so sitting in Jordan here and yeah. the hot-ass sun watching that game, I had Auburn plus 14 and a half. I thought they'd keep it close. 
Yep. I just have one of those weird feelings that, you know, first road start uh, for, for uh, Carson Beck, mm-hmm. um, that, that place just gets the weird bounces. I mean, Auburn gets oh, yeah. really good bounces. Oh, yeah. But if you would have told me that Auburn was going to double them up running the football, they were going to be plus one in turnovers, I would have thought that it probably yep. played out like this. Georgia, as you said, without 19, they don't survive yep. this game. No, they don't. They gave themselves, Auburn gave themselves every opportunity to, to find a way to win it, just could not close that out and could not finish. It's been a few times with Georgia, just from afar. I've not studied them. I've not had them up close yet. I've not seen them in person, which is always a huge advantage. But just from afar, Lance, it just – they don't feel nearly as dominant and the numbers, you know, speak that as well. That's not rocket science, but just, you know, like you're used to kind of seeing control of game, right? You look at some of these other teams, you look at what Michigan has done, you look at what Washington has done, you look at what Oregon has done, you look at, you know, just the the control of these ball games. Like, yeah, man, we are bigger. We are better. We are better. A lot of what they did the last few years with Stetson where, okay, yeah, this looks, feels and smells like a national title team. Georgia still got dudes upon dudes upon dudes and plenty of depth, but they don't feel nearly as dominant and had in a, in a regular season. If they had to play Penn state and had to play Michigan, or if they were out West and had to play SC and had to play Oregon and had to play Washington, I don't think you would see the kind of run they're going to go on in the sec just because their opponents to me in the conference this year do not have the depth and firepower especially on the eastern side of the conference that the Big Ten and certainly the Pac-12 does this year. And I was asked a couple of questions today, one of which, best defense I've seen. And the best defense I've seen thus far, they haven't really played anybody, is the defense you saw last week in Lincoln, and that's the Michigan Wolverines. Yeah. Salty, bro. (laughs) I mean, like... I mean, I don't care who you're playing. You look in the box scores, it's 7-7-3-6-7. They don't give up more than a touchdown in today's college football that's nearly impossible. I don't care who your opponent is. They've given up three touchdowns in five games. It's insane. Three touchdowns in five games. I think teams are now going into the game as one of six, now one of eight in the red zone scoring touchdowns. They've got four dudes at defensive end. Three of them could play down there in the SEC at any school. They would find a way on the field, and I don't know if they'd be starters or anything else, but they're absolutely SEC dudes. They rotate four to five defensive tackles, a couple of which Chris Jenkins' son, SEC dude. I mean, they're SEC D-line. Remind me, very similar. Now, you say Michigan. I'll tell you the one that I saw up close, and it will be a great test this week with Oklahoma, best game of the weekend. That Texas crew is the same way. You roll eight deep, you roll eight or nine deep, and you can't tell the difference between first string and second string. You're talking about Alabama, Georgia, LSU, the dominant teams in the SEC over the last 10 to 15 years. That's what they brought to the table. That's what Sark has now at Texas. That is what Michigan has now up in Ann Arbor. And Ohio State doesn't have that. Penn State, I haven't seen. I don't know if they quite go eight deep as Texas and Michigan do. But for my eye, what I've seen, those two are are set apart, especially at the defensive line of scrimmage. Well, big swing and a miss for me. I had LSU playing for the national championship, but I had them play in Michigan. So I still feel like I'm in the mix there. My question for Michigan wasn't the defense. It wasn't the ability to run the football with what they've got with Blake Corm and Donovan Edwards. It was how good is J.J. McCarthy going to be in the big moments? And I saw a mock draft today that had him going sixth overall to the Minnesota Vikings. Um, I I mean, does he have that type of skill set in your opinion? And is he a quarterback that is good enough? Because I thought coming into the season, probably Jim Harbaugh's best option he's had at Michigan. Is he good enough to win a championship? 
he's clearly Jim Harbaugh's best. That's not even a debate. I don't even know who number two would be on that list. Have you walked through that? Can Maybe Shane me- Patterson? <laughs> Maybe. Can you give me number two on that list, Lance? Yeah, I know <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So he's in a class of his own. He's 17 and one as a starter in Michigan. I want to say through both Nazarene and then the IMG, he was something like 37 and two in four years in high school. So, I mean, you're, you're just talking about those are like Trevor Lawrence numbers. I remember Trevor Lawrence is spring game when he enrolled early. Uh, we had him that very first spring game and he was on campus for two months. And I remember their coaches being like, yeah, Brock, this guy's just, he's just different. And then look at his Georgia high school record. He's like 49 and two, like <laughs> who plays 50 games over four? like he started as a freshman, right? He played so much and he won. I mean, JJ's a winner. What strikes you Lance when you see him in person and what the NFL guys will love is he is a tremendous athlete. He's a four, four guy. Wow. Harbaugh said that like, no, he's four, four. Asked their coordinator, asked their strength coach, said, come on now. Like, everybody can say he's a 4-4 guy. Is he right? No, they've timed him in the high 4-4s. So you're talking about elite twitch, quickness, speed. I mean, one of the fastest guys on their offense. Blake Corm ain't running 4-4-8, you know? So he is that kind of fast. And he's just, he's twitchy. And then talking to him, I know he won over our production team. He won over Benetti. He won over Allison. I don't think in all my years, 16 or so on the road, that I've ever had a QB with a hockey background, right? That, that those don't normally add up. Like normally, no. right? Hockey dudes are, are just defensive guys or hockey dudes are hockey dudes. They don't play other sports because hockey is so demanding. Like, but, but he made that choice at about seventh or eighth grade. He said he really misses it. He loved the violence. He loved hitting. He loved <laughs> speed. He loved all that. So that background is phenomenal. The athleticism is terrific. And then the dude just freaking wins. And when you've elevated Michigan to back-to-back Big Ten champs, poised to do it for a third time this season, you're going to probably fall in the top ten of an NFL draft. You know, it was a given every year that Ohio State, I mean, the the best quarterback in the Big Ten resided in Columbus. And, you know, Kyle McCord, I think he's going to be fine, but that's not the case this year. Uh, Is it J.J. McCarthy? I mean, some people could say Drew Aller's playing really good. We haven't seen the big games yet. No. He's still kind of raw. Is it J.J. McCarthy and everybody else? Or, yeah. yeah. Is, is Talia yeah. up there, though? Talia can fling the ball around, and he's played yeah. a lot of ball for Loxley. I mean, he, he in big moments, and we'll see this weekend, he tends to turn it over like he's got to get over that hump. Beats all the teams you're supposed to beat. Puts up lots of gaudy numbers versus others. At the end of the day, you look at, like, the batting average, home runs, RBIs. Like, yes, it's pretty good, but there's, like, whiffs in big moments. And turnovers for him has been a bit of that bugaboo. This is The Big Ten is not the Pac-12. There is not Bo Nix and Michael Penix and Cam Ward and Caleb Williams are going down that list. Uh, Cam Rising hopefully at some point comes back. Uh, No, it's J.J. and everybody else. Aller's nice, big, talented, physical kid that's gaining some confidence. They're playing to their defense, playing to the run game, and asking him – you know, to kind of manage it, maybe similar to J.J. two years ago. But, no, this is J.J.'s conference. And just seeing now Ohio State and Michigan, right, on paper and in person, Lance, offensive line, Michigan. Defensive line, Michigan. Quarterback, Michigan. Those are pretty good components. Wow. And, <laughs> and, prior, and prior to the last two years, right, the previous seven or whatever it was for Jim, every one of those, you'd go through it and go offensive line, Ohio State. Defensive line, Ohio State. Quarterback, Ohio State. And it's why they won whatever it was, six or seven in a row. 
and why Jim has won the last two, and I think will be poised to do so again this season. Okay, before we get into the SEC West, I've got a question there. I got to go back to the AL West, which was so wild last week. We don't need to. Uh, we really don't. Well, we don't need to do that. I just, you know, the Rangers, what they were in first place, 159 days, and then, I mean, how in the hell? I hate the Astros going back to the 2018 World Series where they they ripped my heart out and completely stole that World Series, and yep. and like everybody yep. admitted, this team was cheating. Yep. Yep. And so I can never get over that. I will always hate the Astros and how yep. they won the West this year is just amazing to me. Yeah. I mean, there's something to be said about, you know, being a, a champion and, and knowing, you know, when to step on the gas and, and what that is supposed to look like. And they came into Seattle and took that series and certainly took the soul and the heart of a lot of Mariners fans that are upset, put themselves in position, had it kind of laid out everything in front of you, right? They even went so far. And I, I'll be honest, it kind of, time it kind of bugged me it's time i jumped aboard though and i didn't really raise my voice with it but they went into the last 10 days very clearly saying our playoffs start now and put that just burden of expectation responsibility at like yeah because they played the rangers for three the astros for three the rangers for four and at that point it was all basically level and i just thought ah oh, that just doesn't that's not nick saban process <laughs> that's not Pete carroll win the day that's not – or Chip Kelly and then Pete Carroll, you know, championship every day is a championship day. Like, I, you got to be careful when you set something up that it's not. And you start to feel the team just squeeze and play small and get swept in Texas and, and fall short. But, yep, the, Houston, the Astros know how to win, man. There, well, there's something to knowing how to win and when it matters, being able to turn it on. And, and it's to, you know, nobody hates them more than Seattle. They boo them and they can't stand them and they're in their own division and everything else. But you know what? At the end of the day, those guys find a way to win the West again and find a way to more than likely be in the World Series. Hey, perfect transition. Nick Saban in Tuscaloosa mm-hmm. 17 years now, 80% of the time he's been in Atlanta playing for SEC championships and ultimately in a college football playoff. Now he finds himself in a spot where it really is. I mean, we've never seen a two-loss team get to a college football playoff. This could be the year with all the carnage and all the balance. But you can't really roll the dice. It it seems like every single game is obviously that important. And now they roll into College Station. And, boy, that defensive front for Texas A&M, they get after it. Alabama's Mm -hmm. offensive line has had problems in pass pro. Um, Just a real quick take. What do do you think? Alabama – Rolling into College Station, yep. Jalen Milrow getting better, but yep. still a really difficult environment. And AM without their QB. Take the under. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Are you not a Max Johnson guy? I was going to ask you about Max because when he came in, and, and let me ask you this question first. Uh-huh. Sorry to back up and step on this, yep. but watching when Wegman went out, uh, by the way, Lance's lock.com, we had AM that day. It was a big play, and we That's ultimately right. got it. But when Wegman went out, I was like, damn, here we go. Because you could tell he wasn't coming back out. I mean, he was screaming in pain. Yeah. Um, then Max Johnson comes in, and he looked great. And my question going into last weekend was now that he knows he's going to be the starting quarterback, right. how different is it psychologically uh, huge, for a quarterback? Hugely different. Huge challenge, right? When, when you're the backup, you come in, and you can just cut it loose. Like, you didn't get the reps. There's very low expectations. You could do nothing but largely impress. And and there's a, a, there's a freedom of, of playing. Like, yeah, man. Now let me just go out there and let me just you know prove as well, prove to my teammates, prove to my coaches, prove to my fans, prove to my family, prove to myself that I can go and do this, but it's not under the just umbrella of expectation and pressure. You're just out there playing and, and typically playing free, and you do see guys at times do what Max did and have a ton of success. Now, <laughs> now the world's on me. Now this guy ain't coming back. 
<clears throat> now it's, oh gosh, I remember what all this felt like the first time around and then the second time around. And, and now hopefully there's enough thick skin. Hopefully there's enough tunnel vision. Hopefully there's enough organization. And, and Petrino, I think, has got this thing a little bit more dialed in and, and organized than some of the chaos that's been going on with Jimbo at times um, over the last couple of years. So, yeah, hopefully for for A and M and and for Papa Brad that you know he can he can play with that same freedom. But it is it's a whole lot tougher. And Alabama is still super salty on defense and everything to me. I don't know what what's the over under right now. Do we have a total on that one? Yeah, fifty and a half. Fifty and a half. Yeah, I think I'm taking the under. Yeah, I, 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 you know, the thing that scares me is Jalen Milrow, although he's getting better, he still is a guy that makes some bad reads and can turn the football over. Max, the same thing. You get some short he fields. Does. That's the only thing that makes me nervous about that total. Okay. Who was your – when you were playing at Washington, who was your big rivalry back then? Because the Pac-12 has obviously changed so much from when you were there to where it is now. And the reason I ask this – because Max Johnson, it's still Alabama. It's still that brand. Mm -hmm. And as you said, that defense is still legitimate. So take yourself back when you were playing for mm -hmm. the Huskies. Was there one of those games you got a little more nervous knowing you were going against that defense and that big brand? Well, it was Wazoo was our rival. Oregon was coming. But for me, it was Nebraska, right? And having gone back there to the place that just absolutely <sighs> – neutered me and my team unfortunately <laughs> in an absolute blowout one of the worst games of my life and team's life and then the year prior to that they won the national title and got to see grant wistrom and some of the boys were back from that 97 team so that's what this comparable would be i remember waking up and, and actually i could so vividly remember frankly lance the day before just a glorious weekend it was september I want to say maybe we were number two in the country, three. They were top five as well. I mean, it was two top five teams. Keith Jackson's on the call. Walked the stadium the day before just visualizing like this. This is what I grew up for, right? Like this is growing up. Like this is what I dreamed of and envisioned. And, and it's going to be full. And it's going to be 70 degrees. And the whole country and millions are going to be watching and trying to kind of put that in its place and know that it's still football, right? <laughs> and know that that first series, like, hey, man, <clears throat> These guys are, are still 11 players. There's not 20. And then I went out the first series, and we were backed up like our own three-yard line. And we're at home, but I could just hear them. And I shared this story with you guys. I, I remember doing so on, on the radio. And just I, I could feel, like even before the snap, I could feel Christian Peter and Mike Rucker and Grant Wistrom and Jay Foreman, who I saw in the press box, annoyed the heck out of me. Right? I could feel those guys before the snap, and then upon impact, it was it was just different. So Max will probably do the same thing Friday. He'll probably walk around the stadium and go, "Golly, man, this is cool." And for him, a little different than me, right? For him, this is a redemption story. For me, my career started fast. I played a great team with Corey Dillon in 96. I got eased into it. I got to have a lot of success and we won like nine to 10 games and all of it started pretty easy because I had a great cast. But for Max, it's been a stop and start and a stop and start and it gone backwards and now a backup. So for him, it's a redemption story and he's got to go play with that freedom and just cut it loose because he has talent. He's a lefty that can rip it but it will be between those ears. As Jim Harbaugh says, and he quoted the great Bo Schimbeckler, as one is to four is four is to one. It's four times more mental than it is physical. And I think that's very true for, for Max this weekend. Do you ever have one of those moments where somebody brings up Chinese food and you're like, oh, damn, I had a dream I was in a Chinese uh, restaurant last night. And like you had totally forgotten something until something jarred it. I just had a memory jarred 
And I'm wondering if you were the quarterback because I have worked on my anger over the years. And I feel like I'm in a really good spot right now. And especially when I wager on a football game, I don't, it doesn't take my life over. Um, I don't, and it used to, I used to waste hours on the couch and then I would chase on Sunday. And then Monday night was just trying to get out of the hole a lot of times because I was playing way too much. I didn't know what I was doing back in the day, living Mm -hmm. in the attorney house, but there was a game. It was Washington and Notre Dame. Yes. And it was parents weekend. 96. And it came down. There was a pick six. Oh, that was my older brother. Yep. Okay. Yeah. He threw the pick six and I'll never forget. It's so embarrassing, but it was parents weekend and there were, you know, we had one of those where there were 10 fraternity rooms, residents on one hall and then 10 on the other. And all the doors were open. So people are just walking by and people are hanging out in dwellings. Mm. And I'm in there sitting on the couch, mm. had the game one until the pick six. And I oh. take my remote and I throw it against the cinder block wall. My remote explodes. Yep. My day was pretty much over. It was so yep. embarrassing that I did that. But yep. that was your older brother that did that to me. That's why I need a oh. bottle of that wine. You know, uh, yeah, it, repayment's coming in the form of a bottle of wine for that remote and all that cost and all that anger. That was 95 Husky Stadium. The great Ron Palace, who's going to win three Heisman trophies. <laughs> <clears throat> Derek Mays, who ended up being a teammate of mine at, at, with the Seahawks. Great, just a great dude. Could catch everything. Brock Bowers-esque. Dude had like... I mean, just Scotty Pippen hands and glue on him. He could catch best hands of anybody I've ever seen on a football field. And, uh, yep. Damon, unfortunately, I think driving down a chance to win it and threw that old pick six. And that was the end of it. It's unlocked with Fox's Brock Heward. I'm Lance Taylor from the next round. This is disrupt the media, like subscribe, tell your friends about it. And it's also brought to you by my book. You use that code next round. They're going to give you a nice little bonus there at checkout mybookie.ag. I wanted to ask you your best recruiting story because I told you the story about me being back in Tuscaloosa. The uh, uh, Indians of North America was the class I was taking, and I would pop out the USA Today and read your recruiting updates. But yep. what was your best recruiting story? I mean, whether it was you or one of oh, your man. teammates or something you've heard over the last 17 years of being yep. in and out of the booth. Okay. And well, I know it's changed a lot. Well, I'll give you three of them, all right? I'll give you three quick ones. Um, number one was Stanford went down there and the way Stanford worked is there were like 15 dudes on the trip that weekend. It was like their big weekend. Bill Walsh was still there and my host was Scott Frost. Turns out, yep. Turned out a couple years later, broke my heart and beat me and went on to win national title in Nebraska. But we spent a lot of time that weekend and it was his older brother was also a walk on on the team. And we spent well, a lot hey, was, of time. was Scott getting recruited as a quarterback? No, he was already there. He'd been there two years. Okay. So he's a couple okay, years gotcha. older than me. Yep. So he was my host and he was just, and we talked a lot about me leaving home and like, and you left home, you left, you left Wood River, Nebraska to come to the farm. Like, how did you do that? And for me, Damon was at Washington. Billy Joe Holbert was at Washington, Puyallup high school. And my dad's program was a pipeline to the university of Washington. Like, how am I going to leave this pipeline to go to Stanford? You did it. How did you do it? Da, 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 talking, talking, talking. Two weeks later, he transferred back home. <laughs> so, so that's number one. Number two, and these are not hyperbole. Like this is like these these truly happen. And if you talk to Scott Frost or you talk to Bill McCartney or you talk to the doctor in Pittsburgh that I'm gonna get to in a second, like these things all happened. Number two is I was going to take a trip to Pitt. Johnny Majors was going to build a program. Ken Karsten, the OC, I just connected with. I loved. They they wanted to to bring it back. They were going to build a new state. They're going to do all this stuff. And I just really loved the OC. And I had never been on an airplane. My senior year of high school, I had never wow. been on an airplane. And this trip just worked out that I could watch him play. 
I could see a whole nother part of the country. They had a great med school. I wanted to be a doctor. That was going to be my pursuit if football didn't work and everything else. And so I'm like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to go to Pitt. Before I go, the day before, Bill McCartney calls me one time. Talked to New Heisel a bunch, but got one call. And this is before cell phones, right? Calls the home phone. Peg, my mom, Brock, you know, for coach on the phone. Pick up the phone in my room. Hey, coach. Hey, Brock, Bill McCartney here. How are you? Well, turns out <clears throat> Bill McCartney had written a book that year, From Ashes to Glory. He'd started a ministry called Promise Keepers. I knew all about them. His pastor in Boulder, Colorado, had moved to Puyallup, Washington. It was pastoring our church. I had like connection upon connection. And I kept asking him, I was like, coach, how are you going to do this? Like, how are you going to run Promise Keepers, still keep your program going? Like, how's all, I love your Ashes to Glory book, all this. Great, da-da-da, good conversation. Get on a plane, get to my hotel room, turn on ESPN. Bill McCartney's resigning. He's stepping down after the <laughs> That's year. how he's going to do it. Like, are you serious? And he's quoted <laughs> as saying he talked to a recruit that just asked him questions that he couldn't answer. That he felt but, like with integrity he couldn't answer. But you seem like one of those guys. Everything does happen for a reason. Oh, 100%. 100,000%. So, yeah. And, so and I really, I really think it does. And, and I mean, you were a perfect fit at Washington and you yes. went on, you played in the NFL a little bit. Yep. Now you've got a great career. Who wants to be a doctor, by the way? Were you a smart kid? Did you enjoy yes. academics? Yeah, I had one A minus in six years. Oh so, my God. Yeah. I was I had, I had one A in six years <laughs> of was, college. I was an absolute nerd. Like I, I, you know, mom, it's at one point, like my sophomore year of high school was like, you got to get out of the house. You know, like you got to, you got to, or this is about eighth grade. You got to go, you got to go play. Like, I was a total just nerd, nerd. So, no, I wanted to be a doctor. So then my last story is I go on a recruiting trip to Pitt, and um, Curtis Martin is my host. Curtis Martin, and oh, I could yeah. tell, I could tell right away, Curtis Martin wasn't buying Johnny Majors. T Tony Braxton, right? <laughs> yeah, yep, exactly. And uh, so I'm like, this, this is not, this is not going well. This is not feeling too good. You know, we go to dinner or whatever. Just he's he, and he's like, Brock, I'm leaving. I'm, I'm leaving early. Like, bro, you broke your ankle. Like, you're not playing the season. I don't care. <laughs> I'm out of here. <laughs> so, okay, that's all great. That's funny. The next day, I, they, they, because they knew I wanted to be a doctor, they set me up with this doctor. I mean, this guy was, looking back, it was crazy. And this guy's sitting with me, and he's an old, super nice guy. He's like, well, what do you want to do? What do you want to see? And I'm like, you know, I don't know. Like, I, I think I want to be a doctor. He's like, surgeon? And I was like, eh, maybe. He's like, well, let's go, let's go look at some surgeries. I was like, what? Yeah. So no. we go get cleaned up, scrubs, everything. We walk in the first room and there's this 400 pound butt naked woman, like hanging over the thing. Her ankles like dislocated, like, oh, oh what is this? You know, and they're like starting to sew her up and carve her up like, oh, bad car accident. She'll be all right. She'll live. But yeah, you can see here broken. Leg. I'm like, oh my God. I'm like, get me out of here. So. Those were those so, were so two things. That was no yeah. pit and and no 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 future as a doctor, right? Medicine's not my plan. Yeah, it wasn't going to be a surgeon. I maybe a pediatrician. I could still do it. And I actually yeah. went to UW and did about three years of pre med. And if football not worked out, Lance, honestly, I would have gone down that road. So uh, okay, but, about, but about uh, just yeah, a few more minutes. I wanted to transition <laughs> to the NFL. It's unlocked with Brock Hewitt from Fox. MVP uh, Josh Allen, number one in odds. Okay, he, he has him yet. He, he has bounced back, and that's what one game in the NFL will do. Um, Mac Jones, I want to ask you about this because he's a guy that went the first round. And, in, you know, the first half of his rookie season, they ultimately went to the playoffs, got blown out by Buffalo and Josh Allen. 
Yeah. But he looked pretty good. I know he doesn't have a ton of weapons. Yeah. Um, there's familiarity with him and Bill O'Brien. It's just not working right now. He got benched this past week for Bailey Zappi. Do you feel like Mac Jones has got a future in the NFL? He does. I don't know if it is as a franchise quarterback. I don't know if it is a build our program around him. And what I see is actually what I see in some of these college kids, Lance, that try to be something they're not. What he was at Alabama was everything they needed. The facilitator for all those weapons. Had a great chat with, with Steve Sarkeesian about their <clears throat> Heisman Trophy winning wide receiver at that time, who Steve said was the like smartest football player he's ever been around. Quarterbacks, any position. I mean, just unbelievable praise for that guy seeing things before they happened and being the one to be like, no, Steve, they're covering us this way. Let's do this. Like receivers don't do that. <laughs> so Mac had weapon upon weapon facilitated accuracy, anticipation off the charts. But we knew then, and I certainly did, and maybe even came on your radio show at the time and said, I just, man, at this level, you got to have plus something. There's got to be a plus something. Right, like when you look at the dudes in the league that that play at a high level and sustain, and certainly the the franchise pay them and build around them. There's got to be a plus trait somewhere. And with with Mac, I you know it wasn't that way coming out, other than his brain and his processing. But then you got to kind of look at the rest of it and go, okay, that's right. You could do that because you had boom, 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 and you don't have that in the NFL. You're never going to have what he had at Alabama compared to the opponents they played at the NFL level. And I see a guy right now that's trying to, like that throwback pick six. Oh. I, mean, I see a guy trying to see, like, no, 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 I got enough arm. Oh, no, 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 I could spin it. No, 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 I got I got with Patrick or Herbert. or And he doesn't. I mean, he's got a 92-mile-an-hour fastball. He didn't have 98. So if you're 92, you better paint the corners. You better well, you know, not it's make funny. any mistake it's over the middle of the plate. You know, uh, two years ago, in 2021, his rookie season, I'm sitting on the couch Sunday morning, and I'm watching. I think it was Tim Hasselbeck that was breaking this down. And he was showing Mac Jones and how he reads defenses. And it was when he was at Bama. And he's he always, he looks up and he's like, wait a sec. He's got Jerry Judy. He's got Henry Ruggs. He's got Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddell are his four wideouts. Yeah. And his running That's back. insane. I mean, Nazi. hell, you would, you would have been a Heisman Trophy candidate with those guys, right? Yeah. Running back's pretty good. A lion had a bunch of dudes. Tremendous schemer, play caller. You know, Sark is one of the best. I put him top five, certainly, in all of college football. Is a guy that puts you in a position to, to have success to your skill set. And, yeah, it's hard. And, and you're following whom you're following up there. And, obviously, a lot of pressure on Bill. And You know, was it Tom? Is it Bill? Certainly, we're starting to see the swing of that with some of the struggles of Mac and that team overall. But, yeah, I see a guy trying to, like, honestly, when you're a, a – baseball is the best analogy I can give you. When this is your stuff – then you better play to your stuff. And in and now you're compounding problems because of all these people that say, oh, you're just a you know game manager. Oh, you know, you may get us to the play. Well, great. Then do that really well and get back to the playoffs. But if you try to be something with your stuff, like, oh no, 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 I could challenge over the plate. Oh no, no, no. I could I could throw that there. I know it's only 92, but I could no, then you get in big problems and big trouble, takeaways, interceptions, lost games. And I find him kind of at a crossroads right now where get back to being the game manager, get back to painting the black, get back to throwing checkdowns, get back to being that guy that did get a team to a playoffs and hopefully silence some of those critics. Okay, let's continue with the baseball analogy because I want to ask you about another quarterback on the fly here. I told you J.J. McCarthy, I saw him in a mock earlier going sixth <laughs> overall. I saw Bo Nix going eighth overall. Watching Bo at Auburn, he's reinvented now, playing for yep. Dan Lanning in Oregon, there's no doubt. 
But in Major League Baseball, you really need three really good pitches. I think Bo's got toughness. I think he's got athleticism. I think he's got a strong arm. But he doesn't have accuracy. Now, he might look like he has accuracy now because he's got receivers that seem to be running open all of the time. When Bo gets to the NFL, you know how tight those windows are. Do you think Bo translates with what he's got, the intangibles, can, can the accuracy come? Is he an NFL quarterback, a franchise quarterback? You know who he reminds me a lot of? Everything that you just said right there resonates so much. And I'm going to say a name, and you're going to go, oh, yeah. Yeah, kind of even look alike. And they're certainly built alike and, frankly, throw it very similar. And that's Jake Locker. Oh, okay. Yeah. Jake was a four, 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 five guy, you know, built, tremendous guy. People loved him, like the most likable dude ever. Small town up in Washington, Ferndale, you know, starter, helped kind of turn Washington from a nothing to a seven-win, eight-win team with Sark. And then ultimately drafted right near the top ten, I believe, like nine or somewhere around there to Tennessee. And it just didn't, that throwing, you know. And you say accuracy. I would actually say even a little bit step further, Lance. I would say anticipation. That will be the question for Bo. The anticipatory skills with the accuracy. And he's in a system where you don't see that much. You know, he's playing in a system where it's bubble screen, it's hitch, and it's slant, and it's a deep shot, and it's a seam, and it's a bubble hitch, and it's a, right? I mean, there's just not, if, if you looked at 400 of his snaps or what have you, how many of them do you go, okay, that's a that's an NFL, okay, that, yep, here's, here's a database of 50 or 100, like, that's an NFL throw, that's an NFL throw. J.J. McCarthy has them, Caleb Williams has them, Michael Penix has them. I think on this list of guys, he's going to be one of the tougher evaluations because he has all that other stuff that you said, but do I see enough experience and enough growth in that anticipation and accuracy? That's what they'll be talking about. Before we shut it down, two weeks ago, Miami looked like the best team in the NFL. Um, last week, it looked like Buffalo dismantling Miami, putting 48 on them. And I, I think you and I agree, though, from start to finish with this roster, San Francisco yep. is, I mean, they're the truth. And we've got Dallas heading into San Francisco this Sunday night. Uh, how do you see this one playing out? Dak Prescott played bad in this uh, playoff game last year in the postseason. Yep. Um, I mean, to, to me, it's a bigger game for Dallas. Would you agree? Yes. Yeah, after just not really getting it done or competing or just going toe-to-toe with them. As you said a season ago, Dak was already testy when asked about it after the game. <clears throat> Probably not maybe the time or place uh, after a good win to, to ask him, but you could tell that that stuck with him just a little bit. San Francisco's unbelievably complete. Philadelphia's complete. You and I both like Baltimore. They kind of started to look a little bit of what you know we thought that they could look like. Kansas City still has the greatest player in the game. So, yeah, I think those are the head and shoulders. And now let's see Dallas. I like my Seahawks, Lance. I, you know, you said I like my Rams. I mean, I think both yes. teams are good. I really do. Yep. Detroit obviously is playing some good ball. I think there's a, a heavy upper middle class. There's certainly some bottom, but yes, uh, San Francisco, until I see something different through 16 quarters, looks like the most complete complimentary team. And they've got a complimentary quarterback. Back to my analogy with uh, Mac Jones. Hey, man. You're Greg Maddox. <laughs> Paint the corners, right? Have tremendous command. Take what the defense gives you. Kyle puts him in that position. Got a lot more weapons than Mac Jones has. He's facilitating. And right now, all three phases, they look pretty, pretty darn dominant. Yeah, final thing on your Seahawks, and I totally respect the comeback of Geno Smith, but when you look at the yeah. weapons, Kenneth Walker, before he went out with the injury last year, yep. uh, he's going to be a stud. Yep. Tyler Lockett just doesn't age. He is so good. 
Uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba is going to be a superstar, in my opinion. I thought he was the best receiver for a minute in college mm -hmm. football over the last couple of years. DK Metcalf, he's got all the skill set, but every time I watch him, he plays pissed yep. to a next level yep. that yep. gets him in trouble. And I just I, – I, there's something about him I don't like. Why should I like him? And do you agree that he's got to get those emotions in control? Oh, he has to. And I would actually say the last three games after that Rams debacle in the opener, which was a flashback to all of his fights with Jalen, losing his mind, losing his composure, losing his poise, all of it, that after that game, there was a very, very clear one-on-one -on -one with the head coach. And Pete doesn't do that much. And Pete lets these guys be who they are. He wants the Oakland 80s or the 70s. That is, that was his, that's his dream locker room. He wants colorful and fun and outrageous and be that and, and, and push to the line. But you can't cross the line. And, and he's been crossing it. And I would say this, Lance, the last three games, starting in Detroit, that dude's been different. He's been composed. They've been John Adam. Um, oh, gosh, who was the former Eagle that's in Detroit now? Gardner Smith. He was barking at him. He was trying to instigate. DK didn't take the bait. Didn't take the bait. Didn't take the bait. So, yeah, if he keeps that composure, and they're doing this. They're kind of the, the Utah Utes of the NFL. They're doing this right now without four linemen. I mean, they're, they're doing this without pieces, you know, the other night without four guys in their secondary. I mean, they're doing this with backups. And if you're doing it with backups, that portends good things down the road when we know a league full of attrition is going to put those guys in the spotlight in December and January. Uh, Cooper Cup back on the practice field. He'll be there in week five after the Rams beat the Eagles. Go to three and two. <laughs> I'll tell you, Devin Witherspoon is a Seahawk I would Ooh. love to have. Ooh, and if people say, what's wrong with Illinois in that secondary? Devin yep. Witherspoon. That dude can ball. Amen. Amen. Been fun, man. Pete, uh, Pete was with us every week on our show back in Seattle, flagship in the morning with the Seahawks. And I'll tell you, he, he's always the most optimistic guy. Like, he, you know, he knows that. And he knows he gets made fun of because everything is super positive, Pete. But this week he said something to us unprovoked, Lance. He said, man, I love this team. It wasn't, oh, we're, we're going to be there. Oh, that we're just getting started. Oh, I really like these guys. He just flat out stopped and said, man, I love this team. And the way they've responded from that week one beat down in the second half to the Rams, I can understand why. They get a bye this week, favorable schedule the next three, and then an unbelievable gauntlet. Kind of like my Mariners in September and fell. Yeah. They will have an unbelievable gauntlet here uh, into November. If I would have told you three years ago, man, you're heading to a marquee matchup in Lawrence, Kansas, Central Florida out of the Big 12, <laughs> taking on Rock Chalk Jayhawk. I've spent a lot of time in Kansas. I did uh, – play-by-play -play baseball for a Woodback semi-pro league, the Jayhawk League. So I spent time in Lawrence uh -huh. uh, in the summer of 95 and had a ball. Um, but I've been back since. I like Lawrence. You ever been? I have done a bunch of games there. It's a tough stadium. It's a good thing. They're putting $500 million into it. That will help. Lance Leipold, it's it's midweek, so I'm not done with all my defensive study, Lance. But Lance, Le uh, Lance, Lance Leipold and his offensive staff, one of the five best in college football. What they do offensively, and you could you could have a hundred defensive coordinators on if you surveyed a hundred of them, and you said, "Hey, who who gives you the most fits? Who does the most with the least?" There is no question. Time and again, people will say what Lance Kansas that offensive staff does. They're they're fun to watch. So it'll be uh, up and down the field, bunch of points. Don't take the under in Lawrence on Saturday. Okay, enjoy it. Three o'clock Central Time, Fox Kick. You'll see Brock Hewitt right there with Jason Allison. Rest of the staff, enjoy it. Safe travels. We'll see you next week right here on Unlocked. Disrupt the media. Give us that thumbs up, like, and subscribe.